Get ready. Blackcomb is back. 4,000 feet of fall line skiing. Moguls and powder. One double, five triple chairs and friendly staff get you where you want to go. On top. The summit. Hot dog. At the time, Whistler was the number one ski resort in North America, so I uh, made my way out here. Didn't, didn't know anybody, just came out on a whim, and uh, I've been here ever since. For year-round fun, Whistler has it all. And a place of your own is yours for the bidding at a price you can afford on Saturday, November 10th, when we auction 17 furnished condos in Whistler's Blackcomb Lodge. 24 new two beds. What first went through my head was, holy shit, I have a job, I can make enough to support myself. I can make enough to support the both of us if I have to, if one of us gets injured. And I can't live here because I don't have a place to live. Beautiful. Laid back. Sophisticated. It doesn't get more West Coast than this. Some call it British Columbia, Canada. But we call it home. This is home. And now home is probably the most difficult place to find a place to live in North America. Isn't it wonderful? And see all the places we call home. Hand-built hideaways, castles in the clouds, and bungalows with a beach outback. On Airbnb.com, you can book and stay in anyone you like. I'm very concerned as to what this winter holds for Whistler and the housing challenges. And I would say it's the worst we've seen hmm. in my span since 2008. But housing has always been a concern because housing is a human right. And when we do not provide people with safe, affordable housing, it affects, you know, talk about lifelines. It affects everything we do in this community. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mountain Mythic, where we explore the peaks and valleys of mountain culture. I'm Brandon Barrett. And I'm Braden Dupuy. And on today's episode, we're going to be taking a closer look at a hot topic of discussion these days, which is housing. And we talked to some Whistlerites uh, to get a sense of what their housing situation is like. And a little bit later, we're going to have Jackie Dickinson from Whistler Community Services Society in to shed some more light on the issue. Stay tuned and enjoy the next episode of Mountain Mythic. So we're back uh, here with another episode of Mountain Mythic, and this week's topic is a timely one, isn't it? It very much is. It's something that seems to be on the minds of everyone in Whistler today, whether they're you know, recent arrivals, whether they're longtime locals, everyone is talking about the housing crisis. It seems like at least uh, two or three people are posting about exorbitant prices on the Whistler Winter Facebook page a day. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's something as reporters we know full well just how much this is affecting the community. It seems like we're writing stories every single day. Um, about the housing crisis and its widespread implications for Whistler. Absolutely. I mean, there's probably a lot of uh, roads that we could take here in talking about the issue, but we kind of want to just kind of get an experience, I guess, just convey the experience of what it's like to uh, be in this housing market right now. 
Yeah, because I mean, everyone knows about the the, the economics, the politics, um, and that sort of hard news element. We want to look at it from a more human angle and and, and see how this housing crisis is, effect, is affecting everyday residents and the long term well being of our community. Absolutely. Uh, I guess one of the main talking points that everyone keeps coming back to is that this housing thing is a cyclical issue. It's something that comes and goes in Whistler. We've seen it before. It'll go away again. I guess what's your take on that? It's hard for me to say because I I haven't been here forever. I've only been here about four years, which seems to be right around when you know this current housing crisis started to pick up. So for for someone like me, it feels like um, it's not going away. Um, but you know, you talk to a lot of locals, and and they always say that you know we go through our ups and downs in Whistler, but. You also hear that other side of the story that seems like it's worse than ever. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, there's a lot of longtime locals that are saying that this is the worst they've ever seen it. And I mean, that to me, that carries a lot of weight when you have people who've been here 18, 30 years saying that. And how many times have they seen the, the housing market get tight? I mean, there's a lot of new challenges that we're facing, whether it's, you know, um, Airbnb, Airbnb, you know, the home sharing services, you're seeing mm-hmm. a lot more vacant homes, people that are tearing down old homes and building new ones. And, and, you know, maybe they're less willing to rent them out Absolutely, to locals. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think it's a, it's not something that is just run of the mill. It no. feels like it's a new challenge and something that we need to face head on. Yeah. And it feels kind of almost like a perfect storm, right? There's all these different factors coming into play. There's all these people selling their homes and maybe the new owners don't want to rent out to the community. There's Airbnb. There's also, I mean, you hear people People talk about how there's been all this focus on making Whistler a year-round resort. And I mean, now that that's kind of happened, it's like you got people coming in here and they're just not leaving, right? They have full-time, full year-round work. So they're coming in and they're getting on those long-term leases. There's no turnover in the market anymore. So, I mean, there's a lot of factors at play here. And it's interesting because, yeah, you, you do hear about Whistler being open for business and, and we are experiencing unprecedented growth, which is a great thing. You know, we want our community to grow. We want our community to profit. But... It feels like we're not prepared for the growth that we're experiencing. <laughs> no, totally. I, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, and I, you know, I, we're not here to talk about the solutions. Obviously, uh, the RMOW has the mayor's task force is looking at this. They're working hard on this. We're not going to be really talking about the solutions today. Like you said, we're going to be looking more at the human aspect of it. I went out and talked to some people about their housing situation. But before we got too much into that, I wanted to talk a little bit about our own housing situations because you've lived here, like you said, four years or so, and you've had a variety, I guess. Tell us about your first house when you moved to Whistler. <laughs> well, it was um, affectionately known as the Crack Den. Oh, and it yeah. was an that emerald. cozy. <laughs> <laughs> it's an emerald, and I think uh, it's a it's a well-known sort of uh, ski flop house in, in the neighborhood. And uh, when I arrived, the price was right. I was quite poor, um, and it was 500 a month, all inclusive. I had my own room. I thought, you know, I couldn't get much better in Whistler. Um, and then I arrived to find that there were, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 plus people <laughs> living in four rooms, and and you know, even more living on the couch, and mm. it, and it, and it just. I don't know that I realized at first what impact it was having on my well-being, you know, mentally and otherwise. That's what I was going to ask. I mean, uh, what kind of impact does that have on your day-to-day life when you're living in a house with 15 people? 
Well, I mean, it's inevitable that you're not going to probably, you know, have the same lifestyle as everyone in your house. And and I, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm 30. I, I have a job, a full-time job. I have a career um, as a reporter. And I, you know, I like to have fun, but I don't necessarily want to be partying until 4 a.m. <laughs> every day. Um, Maybe when I was 18 years old. Exactly. But, uh, you know, my housemates at times uh, had different ideas, you know, would be blasting music all hours of the night. I sound like a cranky old man. <laughs> you are I'm really. <laughs> I'm not, um, but it's hard. You know, it's hard, and, and you know, like food would go missing from my oh. from my shelves, and and it was just it was a stress. It was a low level baseline stress that, like I said, I don't think I really realized was there until I left the situation. Yeah. So you 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 met with uh, several locals who have different experiences have been touched in different ways by the housing crisis. Um, tell us a little bit about your piece. I did, yeah. And uh, we put the call out on Facebook. We sent emails and that kind of thing. And we got a good range of responses. I talked to a few different people. One of the guys is uh, looking at living out of his truck because he can't find a place. He's been here four years. Another couple has secured a long-term lease, and they're very happy about that. And another guy is actually building a squat actively outside. He made it very clear that it's outside of the resort <laughs> municipality of Whistler Boundaries. So it's very interesting. It is a wide range and we wanted to kind of capture some of those crazy stories and just get a sense I guess of what it is like to be a renter in Whistler right now. Uh, my name is Jackson McAvoy. I've been living in Whistler for four years. Just had my four-year anniversary last oh, week. Oh, right on. Yeah. Uh, I guess what brought you to Whistler here in the first place? Same story as a lot of people. You know, I, I'd always wanted to do a, a ski season after uh, graduating university. So uh, I looked at my options. At the time, Whistler was the number one ski resort in North America. So I uh, made my way out here. Didn't, didn't know anybody. Just came out on a whim and uh, I've been here ever since. Our landlord uh, about six months ago decided to sell, um, so it was a bit of a turmoil through the summer with viewings. They struggled to sell it for a long time, took them until about a month and a half, two months ago, and they finally sold it and that was the, the nail in the coffin when you were out. Yeah. Uh, I guess what goes through your mind then when you find out you're about to be homeless? Um, I'm trying to stay calm and you know, deal with the problem in the best way that I can without, you know, panicking because it is quite, like, it's quite a crisis situation for me, you know. It's one of the basic things in your life is where you live or where you put your head down to rest at night. So it definitely has been very stressful for the last little while, especially with the, I send about 20 emails a day and you don't hear anything back. Um, so... That has been stressful. I've been trying to deal with it the best way I can. Um, everyone's been super supportive, um, but like a lot of people in this town, I'm really struggling to find anything. I'm Trent Harris, and I'm from Ottawa. My name is Clara Brillinger, and uh, I'm originally from Toronto. Cool. And uh, how long have you guys been here in Whistler? Been living here for just over a year now. A year and a month, two months. So we started looking for a place about May long weekend. And when did you have to move? September first. Uh, yeah, and I mean we didn't and we didn't find this place until 
mid-August. Yeah. I guess, what went through your mind when you found out that you were going to have to find a new place? Um, <laughs> Backup plans? <laughs> we, we, I mean, we... As, that's not what first went through my head. Well, no. <laughs> what first went through my head was, holy shit, I have a job, I can make enough to support myself, I can make enough to support the both of us if I have to, if one of us gets injured, and I can't live here because I don't have a place to live. Yeah, it was definitely a shock. I'm trying to think of how many places we actually went through. Six or seven that we went to see. Yeah, that we went to see. That doesn't include however many ones that don't respond. Because that's, I mean, that's a real possibility because they get hundreds of applicants. So when they don't respond, you, you try not to take offense. But then when they don't respond and then you get other rejections, it gets a little... A little devastating trying to keep looking for units when everyone's like, nope, but good luck. Miles Crumble home 33 years. Cool. Uh, what brought you to Whistler? Came here to be a ski bum in 1983-84, and I kind of stayed. I've, I've lived in other towns, but I've lived in this corridor longer than I've lived anywhere in my life. I've been here a solid 28 years. The 33 years I've been a ski bum, and uh, this is home. And now home is probably the most difficult place to find a place to live. What's your housing situation right now? Uh, right now, I lucked out. A friend of mine called me that needed a help doing a reno, and I've got temporary two months uh, in Pemby, and I'm actively building a squat outside the resort municipality of Whistler. <laughs> because um, if it's inside, the munis will be out there doing everything in their power to get rid of us. So I'm not going to get you to tell us where the squat is, but what goes into uh, building a squat for the winter? Wood. And you don't put a wood stove in, because that's how they find you. They find you through the smoke. Uh, been there, done that. The only thing that matters is the bottom line. Nothing else. Money, money, money. Greed is killing our town. Um... I'm screwed by saying that, but greed is killing our town, period. What can How, we do about do, it? <laughs> what can the powers that be do about it? I don't know. What do they want to do about it? What have they done? Nothing. Oh, hey, let's, let's spend another $200,000 on a study and see what we can come up with. Hey, why don't we spend another $2,000 to study the study of the study of the study? Let's waste some more time and money. We are at implosion. Uh, there was this... They keep on telling me wrong for falling in There's, they're going to be some serious problems this year and, well, you know, it's only getting worse. Um, you see the newbies walking into town um, with their big backpacks on, looking around, you know, basically now when you arrive in Whistler, if you don't have a fully larded, loaded credit card that you can give a huge deposit to a landlord with, forget it. Go away. The, 
the searching experience, like four months there, what is that experience like? What's it like to be a renter looking for accommodation in Whistler right now? It was pretty stressful because you're, you're trying to grasp the idea that you're about to be homeless. And it's not... It's a weird concept to figure out. Like you don't... <laughs> just doesn't make any sense. Because you're, you're assuming you can... It's like, okay, there's lots of homes around here. You see tons of homes. There's not a heck of a lot for rent. There's not people in places and you're just searching and searching and a lot of people are telling you, well, good luck, don't worry. If you want something, you'll find something. I mean, we just got this place through sheer luck. We didn't get it because we tried harder than other people or anything along those lines. Like, we still obviously put in the time and the groundwork, but like... We got it through luck, realistically. It's also really, really frustrating um, if you work in customer service in Whistler to the conversations you overhear because to certain people, you're almost invisible. You're just the person that's selling them a piece of clothing or a ticket or filling their order. Um, and you overhear conversations about how people, you know, oh, my son is making money hand over fist, renting out a studio to four people or six people. You couldn't, you wouldn't believe how many people they fit into that studio to get through the winter. And there's something really, really distressing about that. And there's a whole vicarious trauma that takes place when you're like almost on the point of crying because you're convinced you're going to have to leave this place that you love and these people that you've gotten to know and, in my case, a job that I really love. All because of somebody else making money hand over fist, shoving six people or four people into less than 100 square feet of space. All I want is to be on my way home I mean, I'm in, I'm in a reasonably fortunate situation where I do make a little bit more than most seasonal workers. Um, but for people who are, who are coming to town, or even people, I know people who've been here for two years and they're still on $13 an hour and they're trying to make ends meet and it's just not possible. Two of my good friends recently had to move into a truck. They're both living in a tiny little GMC caravan um, until they can find something new. Where do you park that? Uh, there's a few places around town. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to tell no, them no, exactly no, where they are. Keep that a secret. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that you might also be facing the similar situation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, uh, luckily I have, I have the, a truck that I could, I could stay in, but that's last resort, last, last resort. I have a lot of friends who, um, who have offered me places to stay, but I mean, I don't want to be in an imposition, and I, I, I'm ideally looking for something long-term. But when it comes down to it, I mean, that, that is an option. I, I know quite a few people here in town who live in their car. Um, it's not the best, but it works for some people. Yeah, that's crazy. I guess, what would it be like, I guess, I don't know, have you ever done that? What would it be like to live out of your truck? I have never done it. Um, it would be tough. Having lived here for four years, you can imagine how the accumulation of stuff I have. I've got, yeah, I have three pairs of skis, three bikes, uh, lots of clothes, winter gear, summer gear. Um, so that alone would fill up my truck, so the storage itself is, is an issue. Um, then you got to think about showering, food, you know, just downtime, like what do you do? Uh, what would I do today? In the rainy day, I'd just walk around town, get wet. 
And we're here in WMN Studios with none other than Jackie Dickinson, Program Manager of Outreach Services at Whistler Community Service Society. Hello, Jackie. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So, so Jackie, you are... Um, I like to think of you as a, as a lifeline in the community. Okay. You're, you're, <laughs> uh, you seem to have um, great knowledge of, of, you know, all the issues facing the community. Right. You, you talk to residents and, and visit or, and transients every day. You know, you know what's facing the community. And right now, as we all know, the talk is all about housing. Mm-hmm. And I think you've seen firsthand how housing has impacted, you know, the, the people that call Whistler home. And... You know, I think it's been a, a relatively recent shift in the community um, from from my experience. When would you say you started to notice that this shift um, from a more stable housing situation into what many are calling now a crisis? Yeah. Well, first off, that's a really nice compliment being called the lifeline of the community. So I like that. But I think that I I take that compliment to heart very strongly. Um, having worked with Whistler Community Services since 2008, I think it's fair to say that our outreach team very much are the lifeline and that frontline support to Whistler. And every person who's taken on that role has been really proud to be part of that. I would say, to be honest, housing has always been a concern for outreach services. And because we do such frontline work and we know the human impact, we've been seeing the challenges of housing for a very long time. It was an important topic in 2008 when I first started. However, I would say, and I relayed this to my outreach team now in a in more of a management role, being able to reflect on the history, that I'm very concerned as to what this winter holds for Whistler and the housing challenges. And I would say it's the worst we've seen hmm. in my span since 2008. But housing has always been a concern because housing is a human right. And when we do not provide people with safe, affordable housing, it affects, you know, talk about lifelines. It affects everything we do in this community. And I'm worried about what that means for Whistler in terms of its growth and its expansion. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is many of us all showed up here with a backpack, including myself, and we've stayed rooted here because we love this place. But what do these challenges mean for the future? And we'll get into a little bit of that in the long-term future um, or the long-term implications of, of the housing crisis. But I wonder, you know, on a more human level, mm-hmm. we talk a lot about the impacts of housing from an economic perspective, from a political p- perspective. Um, but these, you know, th- this situation has implications for for everyone and, and their well-being. I wonder how you've seen in your work with Whistler Community Service Society, um, the, how has it affected residents' well-being, this housing situation? Well, I think it's ultimately affected their physical and mental health. Right. Because when we're not safely housed and in my time, I've seen situations where people are um, living in moldy places and apartments. I've seen residents that have been evicted on terms that are not fair or follow the tenancy guidelines. 
And one of our biggest challenges, which I think impacts the human aspect of Whistler, is that we don't have emergency housing. So not only do we not have the inventory, but then when something goes wrong, which happens in life, we don't have a secondary plan for people. And then that's where we really see the challenges with human impact, because people are living outside. It affects their mental well-being. It's going to increase their substance use because they need to be living outside and staying alert and staying warm. But what I've seen in the last six months is now, as you just said, it's an economic issue that's affecting everyone. So it's your child ski school or preschool teacher having four or five members of their family living in a one-bedroom apartment. It's uh, a great person like Matt who worked for Vancouver Coastal Health Substance Use and Mental Health and Addiction Services, and he had to leave the community and no longer provide that frontline support that he was doing because he couldn't house his family. So not only is it affecting the well-being of people, but then it's affecting the services that we're trying to offer. So it's coming in at every angle, and, and it's just overall affecting people's health. And that's interesting because you hear about, you know, the most dire situations. You hear about the people that are getting evicted. You hear about the people that can't find housing. Right. But as you mentioned, it, it has all these other implications behind closed doors that I, I think a lot of people don't necessarily consider. And it's affecting people that, that have housing. Um, you know, whether they're happy in that situation is another question, but it really affects all of us. Yeah. And, you know, I definitely have sat at tables and I actually had someone say to me, well, isn't it only affecting the new resident. And I said, well, even if it was only affecting that new seasonal worker, it still does not make it okay. As soon as someone sets foot in Whistler, this is their home. And we need to ensure that they feel good and safe and being able to do what they want to do. And so it's never been okay. And now we're seeing all impacts of our economy being affected. But if they've been here two days or 22 years, we have to offer them that same sense of belonging. And I think, to be honest, we're starting to forget that. And that's a problem. And you're starting to see it front line, like when you walk into a coffee shop or you go to get groceries. Every place I'm turning right now, without my outreach hat on, I'm hearing from people, I'm not safely housed, my damage deposit hasn't been returned, I'm dealing with a landlord issue. If I don't fall through with what this landlord's asking me to do, I'm going to be evicted. I'm showing up to a housing open house and there's 40 other people in line. I mean, it's affecting everything. And what I'm seeing from a human impact element is now it's impacting people and their relationships, their relationships with their employers, their relationships with their buddies, their marriages, their relationships with their kids. We're talking about the well-being and infrastructure of this place. And that is scary. That is very scary. And I wonder, we talk about housing as being cyclical, and, and you hear oftentimes from, from local officials that, you know, we've been through housing crisis before. And, and But by all accounts, it seems like, and as you said, it's worse than it's ever been. At least it's worse It's worse than you've seen. Yeah. And I wonder, do you see or foresee a tipping point in the future? Is there, what are the long-term uh, implications for the well-being of our community yeah. if Whistler isn't this paradise that we we always promote it as and tipping point what do you mean by tipping point? well is there is there a, a point where this isn't sustainable any longer yeah i do think there is a point where i think we're starting to see it you know you go up to a restaurant and it's closed and they don't have anyone to 
support the evening shift or of their of their restaurants or you pull up while you're walking your dog and you start to see a whole bunch of people walking out of their camper vans eating cereal in the freezing cold and I think we've reached that tipping point. I do believe that the community is starting to realize that, that we're at this very important time because we're manifesting, we're projecting all this continued growth, which is exciting. As a person who lives here and has a son and he gets all these amazing opportunities, I'm excited and I'm scared all at the same time because I think we've reached that tipping point, but we're still anticipating more growth. So, I mean, we've definitely seen that from a community service standpoint. We are seeing more people walk through our doors than ever. I'd like to believe that's a good thing because people are asking for support. But with that, that means that all those organizations, we have to grow too. We have to safely house our employees. We need to make sure that our mental health is sustainable so that we can help others. And I would say that our outreach team um, tends to feel the fatigue of being that lifeline of the community kind of midwinter, and we do a lot to make sure that we stay healthy. But I can say right now, we're already starting to feel that fatigue because we've seen so much human impact from the housing crisis, uh, more than we have ever seen. So you're not only thinking about the people that are being affected, but the people who are trying to help them. So there's a lot of layers. And I know full well, you know, as a reporter um, and just, you know, someone who's lived in the community for a few years, the great work that Whistler Community Services does. And, and I, it feels like you guys do so much with with very little. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I wonder, do you think that do you foresee um, a significant strain on the services that you guys are offering simply because you're being overwhelmed by the amount of people seeking help? Um, I don't see a strain. I mean, I have to say I've worked for WCSS as long as I have because I'm so proud to work there. And I think that the growth we experience, we're also very lucky from this community that our social enterprises like the Reuse It and Rebuild It continue to promote that growth as well. So we are on a really good plan to grow with the community. I think it's just ensuring that every pocket, every piece to this kind of puzzle is being taken care of in an effort for us to grow. It can't just be one margin of the community or one demographic. It's got to be everybody. And do you think, I mean, I think a lot of the frustration in the community stems around the fact that people are facing this crisis right now. It's immediate for yes. them. It's a, it's a daily struggle. And fixing a, a, a very complicated, multifaceted faceted issue like this does not happen overnight, as we no. can all understand. And and the, the, the wheels of local government don't tend to turn very quickly as is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of the frustration in the community is because they want answers now and they're being told, well, we ha- this is a long-term plan. We have to think for the future. And, and I wonder, do you feel like that frustration is warranted or do you, f- do you think... Like, do you think there needs to be a solution that is immediate to go along with a more long-term plan? Yeah, I think there needs to be both. I think that I take a lot of confidence that there are people in positions right now that are doing some strategic planning that's saying, okay, we're in a place of growth. We want to ensure that we're being responsible about this. We want to look at it. But as you just said, this there is a sense of immediacy to this. And I am starting to see some key players saying, okay, what are we going to do that's going to create some inventory now? We saw that at the uh, forum that the municipality held in the spring, you know, looking at Airbnb and looking at second-time homeowners and the use of suites. And and just the fact, too, that people are living in larger spaces. Maybe they've got that one bedroom on their main floor. They haven't ever thought about renting it out. But I think by creating the immediacy, we might see some more inventory 
come up that hasn't normally come up before. So I think we're seeing both sides of it. Like I'm, I'm supportive of the strategic planning, but I hear what you're saying. There's a part of me being part of that lifeline and that front that says, I agree with that component. However, we need to get things going here. This is something that needs to be dealt with quickly. Um, and our team sees that every day from having to provide sleeping bags for people because they're living in their vehicles. We've done a campaign this fall getting socks out to people because, you know, most of the time people can access fruit, food, like our food bank. Um, most of the time right now people can find employment, but it's all those other things like warm socks if you're living outside or you're living in a place that's not safe. So we are trying to respond to them, although sometimes it feels as if you're working towards something that is going to take a long time to mm -hmm. fix. So I think that's where, as a frontline worker, you see the value in responding to the immediacy of the situation and the value of long-term strategic planning that's sustainable. Mm -hmm. So I'm a supporter of both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have one last question for you, Jack, and I know this isn't your area of expertise per se. Okay. Um, you're not a local official, um, but you have, <laughs> you know, you're well versed in, in the you. problems that are facing our community. Um, and we talk a lot about the issues around housing, and and I think very few people have that that silver bullet. I mean, there is no silver bullet. It's going to mm -hmm. take a, a a varied approach to fix this. But I wonder if you have any ideas. What 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 do you think um, would help? Uh, mitigate some of the, the challenges by, faced with our housing crisis. Yeah, I would think that we see need to see an influx in accessible, affordable housing. And when I say affordable, what I mean is that that represents 35% of somebody's income. And so our rent values that we are projecting out in this community and the recruitment process to get tenants right now, I'd really love landlords to consider offering a more affordable rent because as you increase that rent, the wear and tear, the need for more people to occupy that space, the friction it's going to create within a household, and the mental health and well-being of the people living there. It just, it adds more cracks to this challenging situation in Whistler. So I think one is as landlords being more aware around what's an affordable rent. I think our community needs to consider the wage that we pay employees here um, to assist in housing them safely and affordably. I, as I said before, I think this is a collaborative effort that got us in it. It's going to be a collaborative effort that's going to get us out. And I think that employers, I really do believe that employers know more than ever that in an effort to recruit and sustain a business here, they're going to have to house people. So I am excited to see that employers are understanding the importance of staff housing so i think that's a good piece but i think we need to create more inventory that is more realistically uh, affordable for the people living in this community and i think there's a piece which you know we chatted about before which is another layer is that emergency housing is needed because when people find themselves in a challenging situation and access to emergency housing you know whistler community services would like to say we're a hand up we're not a handout and sometimes people have a negative association with emergency housing. It is an opportunity for people to then bridge to a better opportunity. And when we don't provide them that, when we don't create that safety net, it's going to impact everything that happens here. So it's an investment in our community. I think that all these key stakeholders need to see that housing, safe housing, is an investment. It's not a loss. It's an investment in the well-being of the people who live here. Thank you so much for coming in today, no Jackie. Problem. I really appreciate it. Thanks.
That is another installment of Mountain Mythic. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we sincerely hope you come back to listen next month. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to the Press Play Network and Glacier Media, and a special thanks to WMN Studios in Function Junction. For all the latest Whistler news and updates, head to peaknewsmagazine.com or check us out on Facebook. Until next time, I am Braden Dupuy. And I'm Brandon Barrett. And you have been listening to Mountain Mythic.